Hello, friends. Welcome back. It is the winter solstice, and I'm delighted to be here with you. Whatever other celebrations and special times you have with family this week and in the coming days, I wish you deep joy, as well as just some good old lighthearted fun. If you remember from last podcast, we are in the cycle of the cold moon, and the word we're associating with these phases is continue, because that's what we can do sometimes when it's dark and cold and we are needing to endure. And tonight I have a special short story again from Paulo Coelho, who generously offers some of his work in the public domain. And this is right in sync with that theme of continuing. In this short story called On the Road to Kamano, taken from the larger collection of stories called Warrior of the Light, Volume 1, he talks about the idea of conscious suffering. That may not be his word, but that's the spin I'm putting on it, that there are many times in our walk where we're suffering needlessly or because we are sabotaging ourselves or because we are blind to what we're actually doing and causing suffering. But there are other times when suffering exists because we are on a human journey. And if we come into a conscious relationship with the pain and with the suffering, that transcends the experience and puts us in a different capacity to encounter our authenticity. And he does so beautifully, as is his way in the short story. But I thought it traveled really well with this idea of continuing with the growing light. 2020 has been so difficult for so many of us. And I've been really fortunate in that so many have endured far more than I have. And I'm still feeling a bit exhausted by it. But We can take the idea of suffering or pain if it is present in our life right now and we can do something intentional with it. So please join me for this beautiful short story by Paulo Coelho on the road to Kamano. I got out of the train one afternoon in February 2001 and met Katsura, a 29-year-old Japanese woman. Welcome to the road to Kamano. I looked beyond the station to the setting sun shining into my face. What was the road to Kamano? During the journey, I had tried to discover why it was that this remote place had been included on the program of my official visit, organized by the Japan Foundation. The interpreter told me that a friend of mine, Madoka Mayazumi, had insisted I visit this place, although I only had five days and had to travel by car most of the time. Madoka had walked the road to Santiago in 1999 and thought this would be the best way of thanking me. Back on the train, the interpreter had commented, the people of Kamano are very strange. I asked her what she meant by that, and she limited her response to one word, religiousness. I decided not to press the matter. One can often ruin a good pilgrimage by reading all the leaflets, books, guidelines on the internet, friends' comments, and arrive at the place knowing everything one ought to be discovering for oneself, not allowing room for the most important element of any journey, the unexpected. Let us go over to the stone, said Katsura. We walked a few meters to a small obelisk inscribed on both sides, 
set on a corner and fighting for space among pedestrians, a convenience store, passing cars, and motorbikes. From that point, the road to Kamano was divided in two. If you go to the left, you will take the pilgrimage along the path the emperor used to take. If you go to the right, you will take the path of the ordinary folk, said Katsura. The emperor's way may be more beautiful, but certainly the way of the ordinary folk will be livelier. She seemed content with the answer. We got into the car and drove towards the snow-covered mountains. As she drove, Katsura explained some things about the place. Kumana is a type of peninsula full of hills, forests, and valleys where several religions live alongside one another in peace. The predominant ones are Buddhism and Shintoism, Japan's national religion older than the influence of Buddha based on the adoration of the forces of nature. But every type of faith and spiritual manifestation can be found there. How many kilometers is the pilgrimage, I wanted to know. Apparently, she didn't understand. I asked the interpreter to translate into Japanese, but even then Katsura appeared to be perplexed at my question. That depends on where you set off, she said finally. Of course, but in the case of the road to Santiago, if you set off from Navarra, it is about 700 kilometers. What about here? Here, the pilgrimages begin when you leave your home and end when you return to it. In this case, since you live in Brazil, you must know the distance. I didn't know, but the reply made sense. The pilgrimage is a stage on a journey. I remember that after having gone on the road to Santiago in Spain, I only really understood what had happened to me when I spent four months in Madrid before returning home. We see things and don't understand immediately, continued Katsura. You must leave behind the man you are used to being. He will remain there, and only the good part continues to be nourished by the energy of the goddess, who is a generous mother. The part which does you harm ends up dying for lack of nourishment. Since the devil is too busy with other people and has no time to take care of someone whose soul is not there. For almost two hours, we climbed a small, twisty road up the mountain until we came to a sort of inn. Katsura commented before I entered, A woman lives here. We don't know how old she is, which is why we call her the Feminine Demon. I'm going to go down to the village nearby to fetch a woodcutter who will explain to you how you should follow the road. Night had begun to fall, Katsura disappeared into the mist, and I stood there waiting for the feminine demon to open the door. The Woodcutter and the Demon At an inn lost in the mountains, a woman they call the feminine demon, dressed in a black kimono, came to greet me. I removed my shoes, entered the traditional Japanese room, and immediately realized that I would never be able to sleep in such a cold place. I asked the interpreter to request a heater. The old Japanese woman frowned and said, I must get used to Shugendo. Shugendo? But the woman had already disappeared, having instructed us to dine soon. Less than five minutes later, we were seated around a sort of bonfire dug into the ground, with a cauldron hanging from the ceiling and fish on skewers lying around. Soon, my guide Katsura arrived with the woodcutter. He knows all about the road, said Katsura. Ask anything you like. To which he replied, Before speaking, let us drink. Sake, a type of Japanese wine made of rice, will ward off the bad spirits. Bad spirits? 
The fermented drink is alive, goes from youth to old age. When it reaches maturity, it is capable of destroying the spirit of inhibition, the spirit of lack of human relationships, the spirit of fear, and the spirit of anxiety. However, if too much is drunk, it rebels and brings the spirit of defeat and aggression. It is all a question of knowing the point beyond which one may not go. We drank sake and ate the fish roasting around the fire. The landlady joined us. I asked why people called her the feminine demon. Because no one knows where I was born, where I came from, or my age. I decided to be a woman without a history, since my past only brought me pain. Two atomic bombs exploding in my country. The end of moral and spiritual values. The suffering caused by people disappearing. One day I decided to start a new life. There are certain tragedies we can never understand. So I left it all behind and came to this mountain. I helped the pilgrims take care of this inn, and I live each day as if it were my last. I enjoy meeting different people every day. I always meet strangers, like you, for instance. I have never met a Brazilian in my life, nor had I ever even seen a black man until 1985. We drank more sake. The spirit of lack of human relations seemed to withdraw. I spoke much about Brazil and began to feel strangely at home. Why did people come to Kamano? I asked the woodcutter. To ask for something, fulfill some vow, or they wish to change their life? The Buddhists toured the 99 sacred places which are spread around here, and Shintoists visited the three temples of Mother Earth. On the way, they met other people, share their problems and joys, pray together, and in the end begin to understand they are not alone in the world, and they practice Shugendo. I recalled what the feminine demon told me and asked him to explain what that was. It is difficult to explain, but let us say it is a complete relationship with nature, one of love and pain. Pain? In order to dominate the soul, you must also learn to dominate the body, and in order to dominate the body, you cannot fear pain. He told me that sometimes he went with a friend to the nearby cliffs, tied a rope around his waist, and stayed hanging in empty space. The friend would swing the rope until he hit the rocks several times. When he sensed that he was about to faint, he signaled to be pulled up again. Man must know every aspect of nature, said the woodcutter. Her generosity and her inclemency, only in this way will she be able to teach us everything she knows, and not simply what it is we wish to know. Sitting around the fire, lost somewhere in Japan, at an inn, the sake pushing back the distances, the feminine demon laughing with or at me, I understood the truth in the woodcutter's words. One must learn that which is necessary and not simply what one wants. At that moment, I decided I would find a way to practice Shugendo on the road to Kamano. Leaning Upon the Tree Have you ever heard of Shugendo? I was told it is a relationship of love and pain with nature. I said to a biologist Kasura introduced me to, and with whom I was now walking in the mountains. Mm, Shugendo means the way of the art of accumulating experience, he replied, 
revealing that his interests go beyond the variety of insects in the region, by disciplining one's body to accept everything nature has to offer. In this way, you will also educate your soul for that which God has to offer. Look around you. Nature is a woman, and like all women, she teaches us in a different way. Lean your spine against that tree. He pointed to a 2,000-year-old cedar with a thick rope lying around it. In the local religion, everything which is circled by a rope is a special manifestation of the goddess of creation and is considered a sacred place. Everything living contains energy, and this energy communicates. If you put your spine against the trunk, the spirit which inhabits the tree will talk to your spirit and calm it of any affliction. Of course, as a biologist, I would say that this is giving off of heat and etc., but I also know there is truth in the magic explanation of my forefathers. My eyes are closed and I try to imagine the sap climbing from the roots right into the leaves, and in making this movement causing a wave of energy affecting all around. I hear the biologist's voice telling me that in the year 1185, two samurai warriors fought a fierce battle for power in Japan. The governor of Kumano didn't know who would win. Certain that nature always has an answer, he had seven roosters dressed in red fight against another seven dressed in white. Those in white won. The governor supported one of the warriors and made the right choice. Before long, that samurai governed the country. Now tell me, do you prefer to believe that it was the governor's support which decided the fight? Or were the roosters, representing nature, a divine sign showing who would end up conquering power? I believe in signs, I answered mentally leaving my comfortable vegetal state and opening my eyes. The sacred journeys to Kamano began long before Buddhism was introduced to Japan. To this day, there are men and women who pass on, from generation to generation, the idea that a marriage with everything around one must be like a true matrimony, with giving, joy, suffering, but always together. They use Shigendo to teach this total giving without fear. Could you teach me a Shigendo exercise? The only one I know is to tie oneself to a rope and throw oneself against the rocks of a cliffside, and frankly, I haven't the courage for that. Why do you wish to learn? Well, because I always believed that the spiritual doesn't necessarily involve sacrifice and pain, but as someone I met on this journey said, one must learn what is necessary not only what one wishes. Each of us does the exercise which earth asks of us. I know a man who climbed and descended a thousand times for a thousand days, a mountain near here. If the goddess wants you to practice Shigendo, she will tell you what to do. He was right. The next day, it came about. The Limit of Pain we are on the top of a mountain, beside a stone column with some inscriptions. From high up, I can make out a temple in the middle of the forest. This is one of the three sanctuaries the pilgrim must visit, and when he arrives here, he feels great joy at already being so close to one of them, said Katsura. According to tradition, no woman may go beyond this point during her menstrual period. One time a poet came this far, saw the temple, 
but because of menstruation could not go on, she understood that she would not have the strength to go four days without eating and decided to return without reaching her objective. She wrote a poem of thanks for the day spent walking, got ready to return the following morning, and went to sleep. The goddess then appeared in her dreams. She told her she may go because her verses were beautiful. So you can see fine words can even make the gods change their opinions. The stone column bears the poem she wrote. Katsura and I set out on the five kilometers which separate us from the temple. Suddenly, I recall the words of the biologist I met. If the goddess wants you to practice Shugendo, the way of the art of accumulating experience, she will tell you what to do. I shall remove my shoes, I tell Katsura. The ground is rocky and bitterly cold. But Shugendo is the communion with nature in all its aspects, including that of physical pain. Katsura also removes her shoes. We set out. The first step I take, a pointed rock pierces my foot, and I feel the deep gash. I stifle a cry and continue. Ten minutes later, I am walking at half the speed when we set out, my feet hurting more and more, and for a moment I think about how far I still have to travel, that I may get an infection, that my publishers await me in Tokyo, all the interviews and meetings which have been arranged— but the pain quickly pushes back these thoughts. I decide to take another step and another and to continue for as long as possible. I think about the many pilgrims who have come here practicing Shugendo without eating for many weeks, without sleeping for many days. But the pain will not allow me to think profane or noble thoughts. It is simply pain occupying all space, frightening me, forcing me to think of my limit and that I won't succeed. Nevertheless, I can take another step and another. The pain now seems to invade my soul and weakens me spiritually, for I am not able to do that which many people have done before me. It is physical and spiritual pain at the same time. It doesn't seem like a marriage with Mother Earth, but rather a punishment. I am disoriented. Do not exchange a single word with Katsura. All that exists in my universe is the pain of treading on the small, sharp rocks of the path leading through the trees. Then a very strange thing happens. My suffering is so great that in a deep defense mechanism, I seem to float above myself and ignore that which I am feeling. At the far boundary of pain, there is a door to another level of consciousness and there is no longer room for anything else but nature and myself. Now I no longer feel pain. I am in a lethargic state. My feet continue to follow the path automatically, and I understand that the boundary of pain is not my limit. I can go beyond. I think of all those who suffer without wishing it, and I feel ridiculous flagellating myself like this, but I have learned to live like this trying out the majority of things before me. When we finally stop, I take the courage to look at my feet, to see the open wounds, the pain which was hidden, returns again with force. I consider the journey over now. I will not be able to walk for many days. Imagine my surprise when, the following day, everything has healed. Mother Earth knows how to take care of her children. 
and the wounds go beyond the physical body. Many wounds which had opened up on my soul were expelled by the pain I felt as I walked along the road to Kumano, towards a temple whose name escapes me. Certain suffering can only be forgotten when we manage to float above our pain. The Monk and the Message We are in a private part of a Buddhist temple. We can hear a monk singing, praying out loud, playing a percussion instrument. I recall the other times I practiced Shugendo during the previous days, walking with no coat and sub-zero temperatures, staying awake for a whole night, keeping my forehead pressed against the rough bark of a tree until the pain managed to anesthetize its own self. During the whole journey, people said the monk now facing me and reciting prayers is the greatest Shugendo specialist in the region. I try to concentrate, but eagerly await the end of the ceremony. From there, we go to another building from which I can make out a giant waterfall flowing down the mountain, 134 meters tall, the highest in Japan. To my surprise, and to all those present, the monk is holding three books written by me and asks me to autograph them. I take the opportunity to ask for permission to record our conversation. The monk, who never stops smiling, says yes. Was it the hardships on the road to Kamano which created Shugendo? It was necessary to understand the nature which forced men to dominate pain and go beyond its limits. 1,300 years ago, a monk who had difficulties concentrating discovered that weariness and overcoming physical obstacles can help one meditate. The monk walked along the road until his death, climbing and descending mountains, staying out in the snow without warm clothes, entering the waterfall every day in order to meditate. Since he became an illuminated man, people decided to follow his example. Is Shugendo a Buddhist practice? No, it is a series of exercises of physical resistance which helps the soul walk together with the body. If one could sum up what Shugendo and the road to Kamano mean in one sentence, what would that sentence be? Those who do physical exercise gain spiritual experience, provided their minds are fixed on God while making the highest demands on their bodies. Up to what point is physical pain important? It has a limit. Once the threshold of pain is crossed, the spirit is strengthened, the desires of everyday life lose their meaning, and man is purified. Suffering comes from desire, not from pain. The monk smiles, asks whether I'd like to see the waterfall close up, and with that, I understand that our conversation is over. Before leaving, he turns to me. Do not forget. Seek to win all your battles, including those you fight against yourself. Do not fear the scars. Do not be afraid of victory. The following day, as I am about to embark, Katsura, the young 29-year-old woman who has been with me since the first day in Kumano, shows up at the airport and hands me a small manuscript written in Japanese with some historical facts about Kumano. I lower my head and ask her to bless me. She doesn't hesitate for one second. She says a few words in Japanese, and when I look up, I see on her face the smile of a young woman who chose to be a guide on a road no one knows, who learned to dominate a pain which not everyone senses, and who understands that the path is taken by walking and not by thinking about it.
This concludes On the Road to Kamano by Paulo Coelho. Until next time, take good care. <laughs>